the book of Acts, and in your book of Acts, you can probably turn to the very first page that has the title page on it, and you'll read the Acts of the Apostle. But it's not the Acts of the Apostle. The book of Acts is literally the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I entitled today's message, Amazing Workings of the Holy Spirit. But after hearing that song, God has made a way where there seems to be no way. I want to retitle it to No Way. No no way being indicative that in us and in of our own doings, there is no way for God's glory to be shown in this world through us. But God makes a way and uses us in spite of it to show his glory. And sometimes we just stand back and go, no way. So both of those connotations of that use of words is appropriate to what we're going to be talking about today in Acts Uh, chapter 16 in Acts chapter 16 of course Paul is the main character that we're going to find no way he's not the Holy Spirit is you see Paul we look at many times and theologians and 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 people that study the Bible such as yourselves even will come and look and go you know why they chose Paul why God chose Paul to be such a mouthpiece for the gospel it was because of his Hebrew learning. It was because of his, his brilliance. It was because of everything that Paul had going for him. And I'm going to say there again, no way. Paul was damnable. His persecution of the church and everything that he did against the church was such that he should have been judged by the hand of God. But instead, God chose to use Paul in such a great and amazing way in spite of Paul's own self. What do we call that? We call that grace and mercy. And that's what Paul extended what God extended toward Paul to use him in such an amazing way. But the amazing workings of the Holy Spirit are all around us in spite of the fact that we don't often see the way. In Acts chapter 16, what we're going to come to first is the distractions that are around us that hinder us from seeing the way. The distractions that are around us that hinders us from seeing the way. Uh, Again, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are the three that have gone and went even from a problem that they had previously with Barnabas and wanting to Take John Mark and all of that, and we read through that and went through that. But here we come to verse 16, and you find this. Therefore, now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So in Acts chapter 16 through 16, you find that there's a trip that these three are going on, and that trip is simply to go in prayer there's something great about going together with others in prayer isn't there there's something great about joining together in the works and the words of the lord in prayer isn't there and their aim was surely to do that but their aim was also uh, compounded in that they hoped and they prayed that god would open a door of ministry i'm certain that that was on their mind that they were hoping and praying that god would open a door of ministry so that they could minister to people and tell the truth of Jesus Christ, no doubt they were looking for that opportunity. What a great agenda. What a great destination to have as your day's work that you're going to get up and go out into the world looking, hoping, and praying for God to open up a door of opportunity while you're going in prayer as well. What a great thing. Surely that would have the blessings of the day upon it. It's not the blessings of the day we need, it's the blessings of the Lord. And sometimes the days are crummy. And the blessings of the Lord are still great. 
And that's what you're going to see as we continue looking here as their aim was to go in prayer, no doubt looking for an opportunity to minister the truth of Jesus Christ. And they encounter this slave girl. And what's this slave girl's aim? Well, you see it there beginning in verse 16. She has a spirit of divination. She met us. She brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these, men's are, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So she was kind of like their MC, right? She cast it to them to preach, right? No, that's not what she did. She was ridiculing all of these, Paul and Silas and Timothy, with, their, with those words. She was bringing ridicule and shame to them. At least that's her aim. That's her intention is to be a distraction and a disruption to what they're doing. For if you have somebody menacing uh, what you're trying to do, then other people aren't able to pay attention to it. Other people can't listen and, and zone in on what you're giving them. And that's her aim is to be that distraction and that disruption. Well, surely, my friends... Testify with me for a second. Have you ever got up to go out and do something for the Lord? Think in your heart what that was. Go back maybe this week and last week and the week before. And if it's been months, you have to count back to that time you went out to do something for the Lord. Then my friends, get on your knees today and say, God, give me something to do for you today before the sun sets because our aim should always be to do something for the Lord. And think back to that time that possibly you were going out to do something for the Lord Maybe you had that foolish thought that I've had quite often that God's just going to make it smooth. He doesn't always do that. Matter of fact, quite often it's in the distractions that God gets the greatest glory. And this girl is there to be a distraction and a disruption to what Paul wants to do that day in going out in the hour of prayer. That was the slave girl's aim. But there's also the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit gets involved, that changes the destination of the day quite often. And the Holy Spirit indeed is getting involved in the middle of this with his aim. And the Holy Spirit's aim is that of Jesus. It's the exact same job description, the exact same direction that Jesus would have taken. You remember Jesus told the disciples that I'm going to send another helper, another alos in the Greek, of the same kind. And so the Holy Spirit's job description is also of the same kind as what Jesus's was. And the Holy Spirit is with them as Jesus promised he would be with them. And in Luke chapter 19 through 10, I love this straight uh, direct verse for that job description for us even uh, that we follow. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's what the Holy Spirit's job that day was to do was to seek and save that which was lost. And Paul's going. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 tells us ours. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so if the Holy Spirit is with us to seek and save that which is lost, and we're going into the world to preach the gospel to people through our lives, through our words, through everything that we do, then the Holy Spirit gets involved and it doesn't matter what the disruptions are doesn't matter what the distractions come because the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit does. Sometimes we take way too much credit. We think because 
we have a certain platform, a, a, a certain IQ, a, a certain demeanor, a, a certain station in life that God uses us because of those things. Well, Paul had all of that. And God used him in spite of those things. He had to break him down on the road to Damascus and build him back up to make him useful for the kingdom of God. And that's Paul in the nutshell on this day of distraction and disruption that the Holy Spirit is the only one that gets any glory for what takes place because you see Paul's response. Look at verse 18. And this she did for many days. So they got up and went and she menacingly went before them behold the ones who preach the good news of salvation behold, taking away and distracting from what they want to be doing and she did this for many days day one she did this day two she did this day three I, I would say it would say a couple of days if it was just two so we know it was at least three days possibly more and Paul had had it at that point in verse 18 it says but Paul greatly annoyed did you know annoyance is a spiritual gift it's not by the way it's not that was not a spiritual reaction to the situation it, it, it was a real reaction the annoyance was truly a perturbance because of what was going on the annoyance was really there in Paul's spirit and he acted upon that annoyance and look at what he did Greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of you. It's a good aim that he fired upon. And that aim was to cast the evil spirit out of this girl. He did a good thing. But did he do it in the right way? I don't think he did. We all get annoyed at times, and we all act in that annoyance at times. And do you know what God's mercy quite often does? Is even when we're wrong, He makes the shot right. He uses us in spite of our faults and in spite of our flaws. He uses us by His working of the Holy Spirit that even when we're wrong, He makes the aim right and He hits the right target. And He did exactly that, I believe, in this situation where Paul's annoyance is what... Uh, you want to say Paul had great compassion on this girl. You want to say Paul's heart went out to this... You want to say Paul felt an inclination by the Spirit to speak to this girl in this spirit that en that enabled her menacing nature but we don't read that we read Paul was annoyed he turned and spoke he fired the shot and it hit the right target praise the Lord he did a good thing Paul's agenda was good because he took on Christ's agenda. Luke chapter 4, verses 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that were oppressed. And if anybody was oppressed, it was this little slave girl. His goal, his agenda was right, but the way he went about it, may not have been but you have to understand 
that when you're strapping on the truth to go out in the spirit of prayer and at the time of prayer maybe to deliver to the captives the truth of the gospel, not everybody's agenda is where your agenda is. Because everybody has different goals and different agendas throughout their days and throughout their lives. This slave girl, by what I can read in here, I don't think she really had an agenda except to make it from sun up to sundown. That was pretty much her drive. She was somebody else's property, working for somebody else's agenda, possessed and controlled by the demonic. She wasn't her own in any realm whatsoever, the physical, the spiritual, or the mental. She belonged to the demons and to the people. But the girl's pimp had an agenda. You say, you use the word girl's pimp. That's what he was. He owned her. And he sent her out to do the bidding that he wanted her to do. And, and, and as his owner, pimping her fortune-telling skills out to the world around him, the only agenda he had was for money. And when you read in verse 19, when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, that was their whole agenda is money. Send this girl out. Let her put on a, a dog and pony show in front of everybody else. Let her wow the crowds and, and do her little black magic thing that's been empowered by the demonic. And, and when she, once she's done all of that, let her bring that revenue back to us. We'll give her her sustenance of food and, and whatever but she's really only here to serve our purposes and that's to make us money and what happens in today's world I use the word pimp on purpose because it hopefully brings to your mind what people do when they prostitute people what happens whenever a hooker doesn't bring the income in bad stuff because money means everything to these people. Money means everything to these people. And they don't care about the people they're enslaving. Right now, slavery is at an all-time global high. It's not working people in cotton fields. It's working people in bedrooms as men and women and children and boys are being kidnapped and drugged off and pushed into the sex slave trading that's going on in this world. And yet, we're not hearing about liberating them. We're hearing about liberating people that are already free. It just drives me crazy. Because there's real slaves in this world today that need real freedom. Because the people that own them only care about the money. That's all it's about to them. You see that in verse 19. When, when they saw that their hope of profit were go was gone, what did they do? They seized. They grabbed. They arrested. They took Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now, this is not some little thing that they did. This is not some, hey, Paul, hey, Silas, hey, you guys, we don't like that our money's gone. Would you come with us because we have to take you down to the magistrates? They physically assaulted them and probably physically assaulted them the whole way as they're dragging them down to the magistrates. And in that physical assault, guess what happens? 
Other people saw it. Everybody that they drugged them in front of, that they drugged Paul in front of and Silas in front of on their way to the magistrate saw what was going on. And, and you know, the good citizens did nothing. They went, not my problem, not my biz. And they just let them drag them. Matter of fact, you're going to see in a minute, I believe the, the whole crowd that gathers together, some of those people followed along the dragging and took sides with these owners of this slave girl. For you see, they had an agenda too. Well, the magistrate's agenda is very clear as you get to verse 20. And they brought them to the magistrates and they said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe the magistrate's agenda well of course it's control that's why they brought the charge they're doing this it's creating disunity in our city it's upsetting the peace why do you think that's a tool being used today because once you use violence and once you upset the peace, and once you create turmoil, and once control seems to be ebbing away, then the populace wants to cry out and say, do something about it. Well, who are they telling to do something about it? The ones who want control. The ones who want power. The ones who want to seize upon the opportunity afforded to them to get a stronger and stronger foothold a stronger and stronger grip they brought them to the magistrates and said these these men being jews exceedingly trouble our city you better bring peace you better bring it now and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being romans to receive or observe money and control is always part of the process of the magistrates part of the process of government and that's what they appealed to. For if there's no control, money's going to be disrupted. And if money's disrupted, you're going to lose value. Well, that's the magistrate's agenda, the money and control. The pimp's agenda is money. The slave girl, she's just the, the victim in most all of this. The multitude then comes in with their agenda. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, meaning Paul, Silas's, their clothes, and, and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And so the multitude actually became part and parcel with the turmoil. Why are they so easily drawn into that? Again, it was not a light thing to drag them to the magistrates. Everybody saw it. Everybody, they drug them by on the street, saw it. Good people did nothing. Matter of fact, they actually seemed to join with the owner, slave owners and actually come to the magistrates against Paul with the slave owners. Why would they do that? Because they don't have any value to believe in in the first place. They don't know what to believe. And not knowing what to believe and having no value of anything to believe in, you're easily enticed to follow the flow and the current of society. And when the flow and current of society says that sin is righteousness and righteousness is sin, 
then if you don't have anything you value that you believe in, all of a sudden you think, huh, homosexuality is okay. It's because everybody out there is doing it, apparently, because it's on the media 24-7, right? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But you better stand for the right thing or you'll fall for the wrong thing. That's why they're so easily drug into this. When value of life is not natural, then the facade of value becomes the drive. God has given all men intrinsic value, natural value. But since all men have decided to believe the lie, that there is no God in the culture that we're living in today. Since men and women have decided to believe the lie that God's word is not substantiated because there is no God in the culture that we live in today, then all men go their own way being the God of their own lives, doing their own things. They don't see the natural intrinsic value that we really do possess in the creator God. And they fall for the lies. You see, God goes on record to tell us that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. God goes on record to tell us in Psalm 139, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my souls know very well. So when you have that anchor as the hope for your soul, that there is a God in heaven. He has created everything below. He created you. He created me. And therefore, I have intrinsic value because of who God is, not who I am. Then my basis for truth is not what I believe. Matter of fact, when you start the sentence, I believe, if it's not coming from the word of God, you better check it before you wreck it. Because I believe is not a basis of truth. But the word of God is. And when we have that intrinsic value, knowing that we have come as a creation of God and that his imprint is upon us, then we don't have to fall for the crowds and follow the teachings of even the magistrates because we have the imprint of the Holy Spirit leading Christ gives eternal value to show us that as well. Not only do we have intrinsic and natural value, but we have eternal value. 1 Peter 1.7 states that the genuineness of your faith is more precious than gold. Again, what was driving the slave owners in this whole endeavor? Money. What was driving the magistrates in this endeavor? Power, control, money. But God goes on record to tell you and me we have something more valuable than all that. We don't have to be in the inner circle of the magistrates and curry favor with them. We don't have to be in the inner circle of the rich and powerful, these slave owners, and curry favor with them. We don't have to yield ourselves to the world's way in order to get some power, recognition, authority, status, whatever it is you're after. We don't have to do that because we already have it. And it's more precious than gold. What does gold represent? Power, authority, we already have wealth. 
wealth untold. The results, look at verses 23 through 24. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's some evangelistic day, wasn't it? You hear of anybody getting saved yet? Well, you know the rest of the story. Most of you do. But at this point, you hear of anybody getting saved yet? Nope. You hear of the gospel going out? Yeah, it may have, but we haven't heard record of that. All we've heard to this point is day one. Behold, those that preach what salvation is all about. Day two, behold, those that preach us how to be saved. Day three, behold, those who think that salvation, whatever she put it day after day after day after day, it was the day, same mantra. Cast the demons out. He's thrown in jail. What would we do? What would our reaction to that be? What would your reaction to that be? God, I'm going to quit preaching in your name. The cost is too high. God, I was doing what you told me to do. I went out just like I know you told me to go out. And here's where I end up. Some God you are, you can't even keep me out of jail and get somebody saved in the midst of my ministry. Ezekiel didn't have any converts, did he? Who are you to question God? Paul only did what he knew to do because he only did what he sensed the spirit leading him to do he didn't always get it right he wanted to go into asia remember and god said no holy spirit said no but yet as he went even in the midst of the distractions even in the midst of the details of the agendas that everybody else had god seemed (laughs) i say that sarcastically God seemed to know what he was doing because he did. And he did exactly what he desired to do in the midst of all of that. Not everyone operates on the same agendas as we seek to do what the Lord tells us to do. But kingdom agendas, if you have them, let me just guarantee you this, they will be misunderstood. Kingdom agendas, if you have them, they will be maligned. Kingdom agendas, if you have them, will not be received well in the world that we live in. But, oh, my friends, only kingdom agendas will manifest the wonderful workings of the Holy Spirit. And if you are walking in kingdom agendas, no matter where you find yourself, you find that God is doing a work, maybe sometimes even in spite of yourself. although there will be distractions around us and sometimes distractions within us. Remember Paul's annoyance? Personal views that people have? God always has detentions for us. I know detentions isn't a good thing. Detention was one of those things when you were going to 
middle school for us because they didn't want to keep us any longer than they had to in elementary school. But in middle school, you show up late. You misbehaved. They gave us detention. We didn't like it. And sometimes when we see detention around us, we don't like it either. You see, what we like is we like straight lines and simple equations. We like to know what's going to happen when the sun comes up and when the sun goes down. We like to be able to plan and plot the steps that we have for us. But I I don't believe the Bible records that that's really God's way. God's the one who knows the way he has for us. He's the one who's ordered our steps. And his ways are way different than our ways, I seem to recall reading and so therefore God's ways may sometimes have detentions for us while God's ways are straight we walk in a terrestrial landscape that is not but we get to discover his ways in the midst of that God's ways as we read earlier is to take the gospel to the world and that's what Paul is seeking to accomplish here in Acts chapter 16 is to take the gospel to the world let's do a real quick straight line analogy of Paul's life to this point God's going to save Paul check he did it he's going to send Paul check he did it he reaches Lydia's house to take the gospel to Asia he didn't do it but God did it God saved him, God sent him, God's taken the gospel to Asia. He, he's, God is going to reach the jailer's family with the gospel as well. What happened on Paul's route? That's God's destination for Paul. What happened on Paul's route? He got knocked down. He got picked up. He got trained in Arabia. He got sent out. He was denied access. He he taught the ladies down by the river. He was belittled by a fortune-telling girl. He was dragged to open court. He was stripped. He was beaten. And he was thrown into the stocks. You see how our walk in this terrestrial globe isn't as straight of a line as God's direction for what he's going to accomplish. But yet God accomplishes it. Even as we walk differently. And then the Holy Spirit, of course, shakes the bonds free and saves, I knew that was a good point, and saves the jailer. Look at verses 25 through 34. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Again, I asked the question, what would I do if I was in that situation? What would you do if you were in that situation? Well, they sang. They sang praises and hymns. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison's door open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. If 
find it interesting that preachers all across this country are reporting the same thing. As I talk to pastors from the Brevard Baptist Association, as I talked to one of my mentor pastors just a week ago, as I talked to other pastors that are di- in different areas, I said, man, I'm just not seeing baptism. They say the same thing. There's a spirit on this country right now and in this world right now that is hard. But you know what? I don't lose hope. For you know what I know? That all God has to do is shake somebody. That's all he's got to do. Paul could have preached sermon after sermon after sermon to this jailer. He could have stood outside his door and knocked on his door with a track in his hand and said, let me give you the four spiritual laws. He could have been riding down the street where Paul was standing in the street doing a sermon on the street corner and all that jailer would have thought to himself, that guy's a nut. But oh, when the Holy Spirit does the work that only the Holy Spirit can do by even shaking the doors, freeing the people and bringing this guy to his end. Then he saves him in an instant. And that's what happened. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately him and all of his family were baptized now when he had brought them into the house he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in god with all of his household do you ever think that god had a detention for paul just so this jailer and his family might be saved and we would have might and we may would have railed against that God, why'd you put me here? Wasn't I doing what I was supposed to be doing? Why'd you put me here, God? Why did you put this upon me, God? Why did you let me go through this, God? God, what are you doing, God? God knows exactly what he's doing. But I am convinced you and I don't. You say, wait a minute. What do you mean? We don't know what God's doing. We know what God has done. Right? He's left us record of that. We understand the workings of God are amazing. We know what God's going to do, right? We know that he's going to gather everyone to himself. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, uh, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. We know that God has made an atonement for sin, and he's forgiven the transgressor, and he's given redemption to us. We also know that God's going to culminate us one day into glory. All that's true, but you know what? What God wants you to know right this verse, very second not the big plan of what he's doing over the next few hours but what he's speaking to you right now that's all he wants 
He wants that abiding relationship between you and him, between me and him. He doesn't want you to try to figure it all out and put in the plan this big action. If Paul would have sat there and known the plan that God was going to have for him, then he would have gone into that situation, and who knows if he would have been able to actually do it. But because he didn't know that God was actually going to have him get annoyed at this little girl, God was going to have him actually cast out this demon from this little girl, God was going to actually have him arrested and drugged before the magistrates because of this little girl, God was going to have trumped up charges result in an imprisonment a detention because of this little girl he would have probably never said nothing to this little girl because our flesh starts to try to figure it out maybe there's a different way God I'll go knock on the jailer's door Mm -mm -mm. not my way what I'm trying to get to us today is that no matter the distractions around us or the detentions for us, there's a destination God has in front of us. And discovering it is step by step. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your monthly agenda. He'll direct your steps. It's one step at finish up with this I know look at verse 35 I just want to bring this to a close with this point when it was day the magistrates sent the officer saying let those men go they didn't know what had happened So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, Wait a minute. They beat us openly. They did this publicly. And we're Romans. Did you know that? Hmm. They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Here's the question. Why didn't Paul pull his rights earlier? Because that's what we stand in quite often, our rights. But Paul didn't do that. He didn't pull his Roman citizenship card. He didn't say, hey, if you're going to arrest me, I'm a Roman citizen. There are certain things you have to do in order to do that. There are certain rights I have because of that. He, he didn't do any of that. Why didn't he do any of that? Because, aha, uh-huh, I think the Holy Spirit kept him quiet. Because the Holy Spirit had something else in mind when it came time to pull his card. You you realize that every time Paul came into some kind of condemnation of man uh, to be beat or to be cast out of the city, he didn't handle it the same way. Just go through Acts and read all the different ways he handled it. It wasn't the same way. Why is that? Because I think he was as much as possible walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And in this situation, the Holy Spirit kept him quiet. He said, take the beaten. Why? 
because God was going to save the jailer. He didn't know that, but God did. And then tell the magistrates of your citizenship. What would that do? We have a new church formation in Acts chapter 16. If Paul got arrested and got beat by the magistrates and, and they thought that there was no power in this new church formation and they didn't understand the working that God was doing in this, then they would just be another group. And if it ever became a problem to us, then all we have to do is stomp them out with Roman power as we possessed. But Paul appeals to his Roman citizenship. The story of the jail cells being opened and the wall shaken is going to rise up the ladder too. And when the magistrates want to lift a hand against this new babe, this new church, God's going to protect them because of the testimony of Paul's citizenship and everything else that just took place. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and wait. Wait for God to tell us what leverage to use. Wait for God to direct us to open our mouth in that moment. And be quiet in the wait. God has steps destined for you. He can reach people through the steps you take as long as we're walking step by step with him. And even when we make a mistake such as Paul's annoyance, they aren't mistakes. Because God's already worked out through that. But there is a mistake you can make that even God won't recover. And that mistake is to not listen. That mistake is to not receive Christ. That mistake is to not be filled by the Holy Spirit and walking with God as you walk. And my friends, if you're here today and you keep making that mistake day in and day out of not listening to God, of not being filled by the presence of God because you've been saved by the power of God, if you keep making that mistake, there's going to come a day you can't make that mistake no more. Because then it will be your destination for eternity. And it's in a real place called hell. And you don't have the option. So therefore the mistake can't be made. So my friends, I ask you today not to make that mistake. But to walk step by step, pace by pace, with the presence of the Holy Spirit so that no matter the distractions and no matter the detention, you're walking toward the destiny that God has for you. And you get to share in his glory in the midst of that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that it's not up to us. It's not up to our will. It's not up to our power. It's not even up to our presence because you could use anybody in the place of Paul. You simply chose him and used him because, God, of you. You're the potter. He's the clay. That's the vessel you chose. But, God, there's also vessels in here that you've chose for a destiny that if only, God, we would not make the mistake of walking in our own power, but we would walk in your presence at your direction, listening as we go, then, God, you would have those steps ordered for us to follow. 
And I pray we would listen to you so that we wouldn't misstep by making those mistakes. And Father, if there's anyone you're speaking to today, let it be between you and them. Whatever you accord in their hearts, whatever you prescribe for their decisions, God, let them make that between you and them in whatever way they desire. And I pray this in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Jeff, come lead us as we close out.